Today we're continuing the sermon series that's called uh, Promises. Um, And today we're talking about uh, what it means to be chosen and part of a covenant. And we're going to go to the promises that really have to do with God speaking to Moses uh, at the Sinai, at the foot of the mountain where he gathered there with the, the children of Israel, fresh out of bondage in Egypt. Now, we know that we started this sermon series talking about Adam and Eve, right? And about the covenant that God made with us or the promise that God made with us uh, from the very beginning. And then we looked at Abraham and we talked about that promise to Abraham that he and Sarah would be parents of a great, of a great nation. And then last week we talked about uh, Noah and the promise that God made to us through Noah, and today it's Moses. I want us to know that today the promises that we're going to look at have been uh, promises to a people as we know it in our faith tradition and the people's call to be faithful. But these promises that we'll talk about today, um, our biblical literature through David and Hosea in particular, have, have reinforced God's promise to Moses and the commandments that God gave to the people through Moses. And then Jeremiah spoke to us about a new covenant, that covenant that we know as Christians and believe as Christians to have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And we'll, of course, talk more about this as we get into Holy Week. And that's where this sermon series on promises is leading. But I want to remind us that on that Thursday night that we call Monday Thursday, Monday means mandate, mandate means testament or commandment. So on that commandment Thursday, Jesus gave us what is called the great commandment. And that great commandment was to love uh, others, not as you want them to be, uh, as you would want yourself to be loved or are um, or, or not just because Jesus told us, but Jesus, Jesus put some parameters on this kind of love. He said to love your neighbor as I have loved you. You love your neighbor as God loves you and your neighbor. That, that's a pretty tall commandment. I think we could spend the rest of our lives trying to get that right. Amen. So today we're going to talk about this covenant that God makes with us. The call that he has on us to be a chosen people. What does that mean? And what it means in our response to faithfulness, to have the the, the showers of blessing that God bestows upon us because we accept and we trust and we obey um, God's covenant. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then I want us to read the passage from Um, Exodus the 19th chapter. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you that you have a call on us to be a chosen people. But Lord, teach us what it means to be chosen. Teach us what it means to be a covenant people. Teach us what it means to be faithful to our part of that deal. So Lord, we thank you so very much for your time with us this morning in worship. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, from Exodus, the 19th chapter, beginning with the first verse, we're going to read the first nine verses. At the third new moon, 
after the Israelites had gone out of the land of Egypt, and that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in, in front of the mountain. And then Moses went up to, the, to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice, and you keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession, out of all the peoples indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom, a holy nation, a holy nation. And these are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people then answered as one. Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and so trust you ever after. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I want to ask us a question today based on this passage. Maybe a few before the end of the sermon. But the first question I want to ask all of us is, Who are God's chosen people? And, and a secondary question is, Is there one race, one nation, one people that God claims as His own? Now, I want to first say that the biblical witness that we have comes to us from, um, from the tradition of the Hebrews or the, or the, or the children of Israel. The, 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 the biblical literature that we ascribe to our Bible, our story, really seizes on uh, the, descendants, the, the descendants of Abraham, who we are, and how God has spoken to us as a chosen people. But who really are God's chosen? And I want to say we have to be careful with this passage and with this understanding of who is the chosen. Because it can lead to a superiority complex or even worse, to supremacist reality concerning chosen people. Do you remember the riots in Charlottesville just um, a few weeks ago, you remember those riots, and you remember that there was a group of white supremacists, some Nazi-leaning uh, folk, and the, they were converged upon by those who opposed their uh, professions, and, and you had this ugly scene in Charlottesville that ended up with a, a man running through a crowd that led to the death of one young woman and the injury of several others, and, and this hate personified. And, and, and we all wondered when we heard the chants, or at least I did, uh, those chants of blood and soil. Well, what's that about? 
Blood and soil. Blood and soil. And so the philosophy is attributed to a prominent Nazi theorist, uh, Richard Walther Dari, in 1930. That was three years before Hitler made him the Minister of Food and Agriculture. Dari maintained that the preservation of the Nordic race was inextricably tied to Germany's agrarian population. So the blood and the soil idea uplifted the farmers of Germany as national heroes to protect the purity of the race. Do you hear it? So the ideology also helped the Nazi party blame the, the, the German Jews for really the rural class um, and its demise. And, and, and it did so by propaganda that uplifted the, the Jewish Germans, uh, the bankers and the merchants, as basically uh, anti the, the glorified peasant farmers that Dari and Hitler argued were the backbone in the future of Germany. And of course we know that that blood, that ancestry and soil, that territory became the driving force that led eventually to the extermination of millions of Jews in the Holocaust, not just in Germany, but throughout, throughout Europe. So, so when we, we get that notion that, that we are chosen by blood and soil, it can cause us to do all kinds of things that lead to hate and even destruction of others. Now, I think even um, the, the, the Israelis, to some degree, have seen themselves as chosen. And there's been laws put in place that has led to Palestinian suppression, right? And mistreatment, right? So, so nobody's exempt from this blood and soil stuff that has no place in our understanding of who we are as God's chosen people. So this morning what I want to say is God's promise to His people always entails God's choice and God's call uh, to a faithful response of His people to God's commandments in the case of Moses, to God's mandates, and we could never be those who would boast and say that God has chosen me. For, for, for it's not a human um, ability, it's not a human achievement to be God's chosen people. It is by God's grace that we are chosen as God's people. And I think we look just uh, you know, quickly back at what we've been talking about in some of our, 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 our faith story as people of God. First, Abraham, the father of the people, who was called to serve um, the Lord. And, and then what we have in the text today is you have Moses and those same people, those children, descendants of Abraham, are in bondage and slavery in Egypt. And then out of bondage, Moses leads them by God's uh, instruction into the wilderness and they, they get that uh, gift of the Ten Commandments and that call to be God's people before they ever enter the promised land. 
And then you fast forward to uh, these people uh, seeing those Ten Commandments is not law enough, and so they come up with 600 or so more laws, the Pharisaic laws, or the Levitical laws, and these laws basically eventually put the people in bondage, right? No longer is this a physical bondage, but in essence the laws that they had created put them in a similar bondage. And then upon that, the Roman uh, conquering bondage of the people uh, sets the stage for God to come in the person of Jesus Christ to free us from bondage, to sin in the law, and to free us for an understanding of God's grace and the commandment that that leads us in and to that place where we see the cross as the statement, the large statement of God to each and every one of us that we are forgiven, that we are redeemed, not by our own doing, but by God's choosing. So what I want us to first see is being a, a, a child of God or, 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 or chosen by God is really an act of grace. It was God who took the initiative to call all people to himself. Now I want to mention two things more about what it means to be people of God. And the first is that we are people of God due to our creation. We are created in the image of God. That was not our own doing, was it? It was God's choice to create human beings, to create you and me. Our text today says, you shall be my possession among all peoples for the earth is mine. Everything in the earth is mine. We are God's because God created us, all of us. Not just one race, not, not just um, one people, but God created all. So all peoples are made in God's image. And humanity stands above all other creatures because God has made us in His image with a spiritual sensitivity that's not shared by other creatures. We have a will and we have choices that we make. We can choose God in God's ways or we can choose to reject them. We have a spirituality that's drawn toward God that we can reject. But yet we who are created in the image of God, we have this innate longing to be with God and to claim our identity as God's people. And therefore, we have a call to see all other human beings as our sisters and brothers. Those who deserve dignity and respect, and more than that, love and justice and kindness. This means that every person in the world, no matter the class, no matter the nation, no matter the race, belongs to the human creation that God has made. We have the dignity of being human and being divinely made. And first and foremost, that's why we can call ourselves God's people, God's chosen people. God chose to create us in God's image. And God has put upon us a call to really not only respect the right of all other humans, but to, to really be about that right, to be about a higher cause. For there is no place for discrimination or persecution. I hope we know that. No place for that. And that's not first a call 
uh, that's nationalistic or political, that first should be a call of God's people to hear and to act out of. That all of God's people are God's creation. And we're thankful for that. And we as people of faith recognize that and we work toward that cause that all people can recognize our kinship. Now the second thing I want to mention is another act of God's grace and why we can call ourselves God's chosen people is because of God's redemption of His people that you and I share. You know, there's a great difference in what it means to be a, a creature and what it means to be a child of God. It's, it's a good thing to be created by God in God's image as a human being. It's, it's a great thing to be created by God in God's image and to be redeemed by God into God's likeness. So in our text today, God tells the people, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you up on eagle's wings and brought you to myself you know I want to first say that God reminds the children of Israel he reminds them that I don't take kindly to people who who um, uh, who do bad things to my children I don't take kindly to those who enslave and who uh, persecute and who do all manner of evil against my children you saw what I did to the Egyptians and then God pushes forward I bore you up on eagle's wings you know sometimes uh, we think that the only mention of eagle's wings was mentioned by the prophet Isaiah how you'll mount up like with eagle's wings but it's first mentioned by God to Moses I I redeemed you on eagle's wings I took you out of bondage to the promised land while you were in Egypt while you were lost in slavery I redeemed you, my people. Now, I want us to see that that that's the first redemption story that we as people of faith can own, that we are part of that heritage that goes all the way back to Moses and the children of Israel because we understand that our God is a God not only of creation but a God of redemption. And God redeemed us from bondage of slavery any kind of physical slavery that we may find ourselves in. But the second story of redemption is all about what God did in the person of Jesus Christ. God coming to earth in the person of Jesus and God redeeming us and delivering us from the bondage of sin and death. And how we, uh, in a few days, we we will again be gathered on a Thursday night and we'll again gather around the Lord's table and we'll be remembered, we'll be brought together around those words of redemption. Those words that say, I, I want to renew my covenant with you. It's not about 600 and something laws. It's, it, it's really not uh, about all, all ten of the commandments. They can be really boiled down to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as I have loved you. And Jesus holds up the cup and he said in my blood you are my people through my broken body you are my people 
a different understanding of blood and soil. For it was through the shared blood of Christ on the cross, on that soil called Golgotha, that God mounted us up on the eagle wings of Christ for our redemption. Jesus lived, died, and he rose from the grave for you and for me. To teach us the way of love of God and love of neighbor. Jesus said, you hadn't chosen me. I have chosen you. And we should see ourselves as God's chosen people. In an humble way. As those who are created by God and those who are redeemed by God and those who are chosen and called by God to be a covenant people. And what does that mean? That means we are in relationship that transcends race and nation and class. We are in the midst of a relationship that is all about seeking first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and all other things will be added unto us. You know, there's one more thing in this passage that I want to uplift one more time. God said to Moses, you will be a holy nation. Not, not only are we called to be God's chosen people, but a holy nation. You know, freedom of speech that we enjoy here in America is a wonderful thing, isn't it? But it's not always beautiful. You understand? I mean, freedom of speech is wonderful, but it's not always attractive. Now, let me make my point. I was in East Texas on Friday, and I saw this. Uh, I don't know if it was a car or if it was a bumper sticker with a car. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the back of this car, I didn't really look at the front, but the back of this car had stickers all over the bumper, all over the back window, and all over the trunk. It was really tattooed up. And, and you know, I, I stopped for a minute because by Friday, when you're thinking about preaching in Thrive, you know, you kind of live with your sermon all week, and you know everything, you start saying, well, what does this say to me about this text? And I kept thinking, holy nation. Holy nation. Now, there was a bumper sticker that had uh, um, some deer antlers on it. You, you've seen those bumper stickers. You know, they don't have any words, don't need to have any words. That just probably means that person's a deer hunter, right? And, uh, and then there was uh, a bumper sticker that, that said, uh, Southern born and Southern bred. And it was on, um, had a back ground of a rebel battle flag southern born southern bred i get it and and then there was a sticker that said back the blue well i can certainly ascribe to that but right beside back the blue was another little rebel battle flag what's going on here and and then uh, the messages continue they're was another message that, that uh, actually had a cross on it, and it said, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Okay, yeah. And, and then there 
was another bumper sticker that said, One Nation Under God. And then there was a plethora of um, political candidate bumper stickers that we really don't need to go into because that's not what this is about. And, and I kept thinking about what does it mean to be one nation under God? What, what does that have to do with being a holy nation? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I want you to listen to me about this biblical text. If you hadn't heard anything else today, I hope you hear the next two minutes or so. No worldly nation in itself is a people of God, not even America. Or shall we say, the United States of America. We can say phrases in our Pledges of allegiance that we're one nation under God. We can print on our money in God we trust. But those statements, those words do not make us, the United States, a holy nation. In fact, never has it been the federal government's espousement that we are about the cause of Christ in the United States of America. We are a secular nation by design. We are separated, church and state, by constitution. You get it? You, various religions flourish here, not just Christianity. It never was meant for this nation to be one nation under one religion. It's set up in the Constitution otherwise. So our text today calls us to be a people, a holy nation. And, and, and sometimes I think that, that our misled prayers are that somehow, in some way, the United States of America and other nations will become holy nations and that they'll all ascribe to, to, to one God in all that we do and we wave the flag as if we uplift the cross. No. That, that's not what God meant when He called His people to be a holy nation because He intended His people to live in all kinds of nations. The emphasis when God says be a holy nation is not on nation, it's on holy. You hear me? God calls His people, you and I, to be part of whatever nation, and most of us are part of this nation, the United States of America. God calls us to be that holy remnant within the nation that draws people toward the ways and the will of God. And, and it's the cross that's our banner. What does it mean to be a holy people? 
I think it first means that we understand that we're called to be a holy people or a holy nation because we're chosen by God. And we're chosen by God because we're created by God. And we're created by God so that we can understand ourselves to be redeemed by God. And as those who are redeemed by God, we want to be a covenant people with God. We want to be about God's ways. And we're committed to that. That's what makes us a holy nation. But the holiness that we live out is what God was giving to Moses in the form of the Ten Commandments first, but it goes much deeper than that. It goes to the very commandment that Jesus gave us. The great commandment, you can't separate. It's one. You love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You love your neighbor as you as, as I have loved you because your neighbor is your sister. Your neighbor is your brother. You are all my people by creation. And hopefully you get that. So I want to end this sermon today with talking to you through this prayer about what it means to be God's chosen people, God's redeemed people, God's covenant people, God's holy nation. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O oh, Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives. It is in self-forgetting that one finds. It is in pardoning that one is pardoned. And it is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. That's what it means to be holy. A chosen people, a redeemed people, a covenant people, a holy nation influencing the nations of the world toward a God of peace. Amen.